DJ Simulationistas. Sup? With Dr. D, Dan Raymer, and Dr. J, Janice Palaganis, coming at you from the Center for Medical Simulation in Boston, Massachusetts. So buckle up your mannequin and let's roll. Well, welcome everyone to DJ Simulationista's SEP with Janice Pelianis and Dan Reimer. SEP. SEP. Dan, I would yeah. really like to talk about, um, you had asked me about my experience in Saudi Arabia, and I had talked about the participant that had the burqa on and how I felt like I was connected to her and could easily tell what she was feeling, how she was receiving the information just from her eyes. And I thought that was right. really she interesting. Was, she was wearing the full uh, uh, burqa so you could only see her eyes, not the rest of her face. Right. And I'm so glad you asked right. me about that because I have become really interested in micro expressions. And so I started reading this book by uh, Richard Restack, which is called Mozart's Brain and the Fighter Pilot, Unleashing Your Brain's Potential. And he suggests this activity to, to understand micro-expressions where you sit face-to-face with someone who, um, whom you know really well. Um, in this case, I asked my daughter. And uh, you ask them to close their eyes, and then you ask them to think about their saddest moment in life without speaking, and then ask them to clear their mind, and you are to note some, any facial shifts. Then you ask them to open their eyes and then you do it again. And you ask them to think about their saddest experience and then a neutral experience and then their happiest experience. And then you are supposed to share your observations. So I've been trying to really study these micro expressions and I've been doing it using pivot head glasses where you can record the other person. And I have two so she can record me as well. And I was recording her, and the entire exercise, I could not pick up on any micro-expressions. I could not even, she just, she was staring at me the whole time, just staring. And I had to play it back multiple times for me to really see where the micro-expressions were. And they were all in her eyes, or, or right around her eyes. And so that really interested me, and it made me think about our discussion around, um, you know, the the participant that was wearing the burqa. So, so that sounds really fascinating. When you first brought up micro expressions, I thought maybe that was something you said while drinking micro brewed beer or something <laughs> like that. Uh, but I get it now. Um, so interesting that you, uh, couldn't read her micro expressions while you were interacting with her, but, uh, you could do it on video. What do you attribute that to? Well, it, it frustrates me because I think, you know, she and I have a connection and I feel like I probably know her better than anybody else in this world. 
And her expressions are like the micro of microist facial expressions. Like, I mean, it didn't take one or two times to play back. It, it took numerous times. And I focused on, you know, different areas of her face. And when I finally focused on just her eyes, it was amazing because you could see it. And it's, it's like a tiny, tiny, very, very brief expression each time. So it's interesting we're talking about this. I assume that we're talking about this because you're proposing that we pay closer attention to nonverbal language that participants express during a debriefing. Absolutely. And, and so it makes me wonder um, uh, how useful this is. I know that you know people say a lot of things with their face. Uh, people tell me that I have a very expressive face, and I think sometimes that's really advantageous. Uh, when I am curious about something, it's pretty easy to see how I crinkle up my my eyes and my forehead, and I apparently look curious. Other times, I think it's a real disadvantage because people try to read my expressions, which sometimes they get correctly, and other times their interpretations are incorrect. Or I transmit things that I don't actually really want to say at the time, mm -hmm. uh, and they kind of leak out. And so I think the nonverbal expressions of people are kind of a double-edged sword. I agree with you. I, I mean, I agree with you in, in that it does take a level of knowing someone to, to not misinterpret. And, and even if you know someone well, you'll still misinterpret. I think just picking up on the small nonverbals can indicate a, a thought and can trigger you as the debriefer to, to explore what they're thinking. Where, I, I mean, I would typically probably keep talking, and if I paid more attention to micro-expressions, it could trigger me to stop in my speech or teaching and just see how I'm being received, or if there's any thoughts going on. I guess one caveat would be be super, super cautious about um, using your interpretations of people's nonverbal expressions uh, in a debriefing towards your teaching without checking with the person first to see if your interpretation is correct. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and, and one thing that I've been doing is actually just previewing with um, you know, I've been studying microexpressions, and I see your eyebrow doing this, and I'm not sure what it means, and I just want to make sure that um, what I'm saying makes sense. So, what's going on for you? And it's it's always really interesting. My, your interpretation of my eyebrow may indicate some skepticism, and I guess uh, I guess there's one part of this that I'm sort of interested in, which is. The implication of you doing all this study of microexpressions indicates that you think it's a learnable skill, that it's something you can practice 
And it's kind of interesting to me that it took a lot of work for you to even see the micro expressions of your daughter. I know. Um, that, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? So I do think, um, you know, I think there's a first step in it being a learned skill. I mean, I, I do, I guess there's a degree of which you can learn micro expressions, but there's a first step of even knowing that they exist and trying to be more present in the moment which is also something that I've been really working on to pay attention to that. Cause you know, I, I think I over, often overlook it <clears throat> getting so sure. engaged in the discussion, but you know, trying to be reflective in the moment and just think, okay, pay attention to facial expressions. Then that kind of triggers me to, it helps me guide, I think, the conversation a little bit better. But whether or not I'm good at it, I have no idea. And and whether or not I can actually learn those small micro of microist expressions in the moment without playing a video back 40 times, <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever get there. So, so I guess my some of my skepticism comes from a really interesting article I read uh, about a year ago. It was uh, in the in, in the New Yorker magazine. Uh, I think it was last summer, and it was uh, entitled something like uh, "The Detectives Who Never Forget a Face," uh-huh. and it was it was really interesting. It was about um London, London, England, and uh the fact that there are video cameras that the police in London, Scotland Yard, have set up throughout the city in order to enable them to uh witness crimes that take place. And so they installed cameras throughout the city with the expectation that their ability to catch people and arrest them would improve dramatically. And unfortunately, what they found was that the uh, arrest rate didn't change at all because their ability to recognize faces, recognize these criminals when they saw them on video, was really quite limited. And so they had plenty of videos of crimes taking taking place, but they would watch the video and no one would be able to identify the person. And even with all of the databases that they had at their disposal, uh, their, their arrest rate didn't pick up. And so the chief detective was really concerned about this, and he went to a university and he talked uh, um, to some folks about um, uh, facial recognition. And what he found out was that um, this particular group had been studying facial recognition, but from the other end of the spectrum. So it turns out that there are lots of people around who have almost no ability to recognize faces. Mm -hmm. And so it's a real disability. Otherwise, perfectly normal people have trouble recognizing even people that are close to them even family members, and they just seem to lack the ability to recognize faces. 
They also studied and found that there was quite a wide spectrum of people's ability to recognize faces, and they were able to identify some people who are spectacularly good at it, and they called them super recognizers. Super recognizers. Is that an actual type title? I believe that was the word that they used, super recognizers. Hello. Yeah, well. My name is Janice Pellianis. I am a super recognizer. Yeah, it sounds cool, except from your description of your experience (laughs) with your own daughter. I'm not sure that uh, you fit the mold. Just not micro expressions. So, so the uh, so Scotland Yard uh, set about this task of uh, applying an instrument that the scientists that they had talked with around facial recognition had developed. So that so this group had developed an in- instrument. Um, they called it the Cambridge Facial Recognition Instrument or something like that. It was a test that they could give people to test their uh, native ability to recognize faces. And so they administered this to all of the police force throughout London and found a small cadre of super recognizers. They reassigned these folks to the video detective department. And sure enough, their recognition and arrest rate has skyrocketed. Um, Really? so So the premise here, I guess, is that it's one of those inborn talents. And so it's always a question, an interesting question of, you know, how much is of something is uh, inherent and so how much of it is learnable. And so for most things in our life, you know, sports, for example, uh, even though I'm not inherently a gifted athlete, I can learn to play some sports competently. Um, and uh, so probably the same is true of our ability to pick up on nonverbal cues from participants in a debriefing. Yeah. So I'm just generally being a techie at heart. I am wondering, because I know there's a lot of development going on with facial recognition software. Did the article say anything about facial recognition software? Did they try that? Uh, so I didn't, uh, I don't recall them uh, talking about that very much. Uh, and I'm, I'm maybe conflating another article, I think also in the New Yorker about facial recognition software, which has made huge leaps in its ability to characterize faces. And I know in some industries, uh, like the military, they're trying to use facial recognition um, uh, more and more. I think it requires a uh, really good picture. And I think the videos of crimes being committed in the dark in London with people in trench coats, I'm imagining, uh, are not all that great uh, uh, pictures of people's faces. And I think the human ability to recognize a face probably still exceeds the uh, electronic um, ability, but I'm sure that'll change over time, and uh, maybe it already has. 
Well, I know Google Glasses, they were working on a facial recognition software, but since Google Glasses has dissolved, I don't know if the program was dissolved, but I know IBM has picked up a lot of the smart glass projects. And I am, I'm dying for that technology to um, be available because, you know, I just think about conferences and it's so easy to recognize a face, I think, but it's just the name. It's that extra level or that knowledge stacking of associating the face with the name. And it's always really awkward to, you know, look down at the badge and you try to find that right moment <laughs> to look down. Well, well really speak for yourself, Rita. <laughs> <laughs> speak for yourself, whatever your name is. Uh, yes, I, I agree with you that that is a huge problem. Uh, and, you know, it's especially a problem for a male because uh, it's really quite impolite to uh, <laughs> look down at a, a woman's badge um, uh, hanging on her chest. So I always cringe uh, every time I encounter someone and I just can't quite place their name. I do recognize their face. I don't think I'm a super recognizer, but I'm pretty good about uh, um, recognizing a face. And sometimes I can uh, recall where that, that relationship came from. You know, they took a course with me. They, where they were, were sitting. in a session with me. <laughs> I'm sorry? I mean, I could always remember where they were sitting. Uh huh. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Our our colleague Robert Simon uh, is mm -hmm. able to remember faces and uh, can remember where people sat in he's his interactions super, with them. He's a Amazing. super seat recognizer. He is. I'm gonna make him a badge that says "super seat recognizer." <laughs> <laughs> So Dan, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe he could work in London uh, for the for Scotland Yard. I would put money on the chance that you, as well as every other male that suffers um, with not wanting to look down at a female's badge to remember her name, I would put money that all of you have some sort of micro expression where your eyes track and shift downward ever so slightly and then right back up and if i as a female could pick up on that micro expression it would be a trigger for me to just say oh you might not remember me my name's janice pelaganis we met blah 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 that's so generous of you. I wish it were true. And I, I know the part about the micro expressions just has to be true because I'm sure that I break into a cold sweat every time I'm put in that position. Um, and, and I, you know, uh, my, my, my face cannot lie. I'm sure that, uh, that, that I send that message. And I, I agree with you. Certainly sometimes when you're introduced to someone, they kind of look at you in a certain way and you almost automatically repeat your name because you imagine they're saying 
uh, I, I can't remember your name. And they're often really appreciative of that and let you know that. And most of this is quite unsaid. Or, as you've said before, you could be misinterpreting and they could just be looking at the food that's on your chin <laughs> and giving you an expression and you're just thinking, they don't remember my name. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So just a, just a reminder when you're debriefing not to overuse your uh, highly practiced new skill of observing people's nonverbal cues from their face. <laughs> well, can I just bring up, because um, I think it's funny, when you and I went to the Grand Rounds, um, and I'm not going to mention names, the woman was a facial recognition expert, and we were sitting next to um, one of our colleagues who uh, has some knowledge in Botox and, and I do too, having a good friend that does Botox. And we looked at each other and we're like, I think she got Botox. And how amazing is that? Like she's, she had to have learned which muscles and which expressions make you more attractive and more, um, you know, people will receive you better. And, and so I think you can learn some of that. Right. I, I do. I do remember that. And, uh, and, and, uh, I remember how funny we all thought it was the irony of the facial recognition person, uh, appearing to be Botox laden. <laughs> right. I would get Botox, but I'm not old enough. Uh, maybe you should Botox this area right here because you're kind of scrunching your eyes and it looks to me like you're looking at your watch. And I'm wondering if, um, if you're ready to end this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, you completely misinterpreted my <laughs> actions. However, I think that's probably a really good uh, suggestion. So why don't we <laughs> sign off? <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us, Dan. Yes, thank you for fun. always fun to talk to you All right. and to observe your micro expressions. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This has been DJ Simulationistas. Sup? With Dan Raymer and Janice Pelaganis. Thanks so much for listening. Check back next week for another episode. See you next time.